You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. We live. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome back to pause on the play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions and consider realities you may have been unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host, Indy Jackson, and a guest to get the dialogue going. Hello, ma'am. Hello, I'm excited for today's conversation. Yes, again, we have the community here witnessing this awesomeness happening live, which you too can do this as well if you would like to. Pauseintheplay.com forward slash community is always there. Just saying, just so you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will actually just briefly turn it over to India. I want you to tell everybody a little bit about our guests. I really want to... I'm, I'm super excited about the conversation because just the point of view that she brings, I think is extremely valuable. We've seen a lot of it this year, but I think it's important to talk about how it's important outside of the shit show that has been 2020. Yes. Yes. So the power of networking, um, one of our previous guests, uh, Jaquette Timmons actually introduced us to Janine Latford and she's just so sweet, so intelligent and amazing. And I'd love to tell you more about her. So Janine Letford is an award-winning educator, a best-selling author, and global speaker on the creative and financial literacies. As a TEDx speaker and top creativity trainer, she is the founder and chief creative officer of Cafe Strategies, LLC, which trains leaders and employees to unleash their innovative thinking for themselves and their business. Janine believes creative thinking paired with financial entrepreneurship education are critical skills, and she is often called America's creative coach for her work in writing and creativity, financial agility, and our workplace. I am super excited to have you here, Janine. Welcome. (laughs) So I'd like to start by having you actually tell um, the community and the listeners a little bit about yourself. And um, just give them a, a, a quick little bit of just what, what makes you special. What's that thing that made us like, ooh, we need to talk. Ooh, yeah. Well, I was in a situation about 10 years ago where I realized I was under $100,000 worth of debt. I was an elementary educator with a fixed income, and I didn't know how that happened. And because of my financial illiteracy, I really thought that this was an issue. And so I just got, you know, I read every book and I just really learned the financial part. But then I really stopped and said, well, how can I create extra, you know, revenue streams and extra ways to pay this debt off faster? And I realized that I was carrying around these diamonds of these ideas, these gifts, these talents that I never really looked at in a different way um, as a part of, you know, to kind of bring them to the the marketplace. But I didn't have that entrepreneurial education, even though I had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, that I was just born born with. So it was that mind shift to say, 
whoa, my creative thinking skills, my ability to be creative and shift my perspective on my gifts that I can offer really got me um, in a position to pay off $100,000 worth of, of debt and empower me to do the work that I'm doing today and empower other pe- people to gain those creative thinking skills for themselves and for their businesses and their 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 life, basically. You mentioned that there were life skills, which I think is important. It's not just business or just life. It's, you know, it's not like these are separate entities. It's a totality type of thing. And I think that that's important. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Here's what I'm doing. I'm so excited because I think that this is the year that people are waking up <laughs> to this, you know, even though it's been important, especially with the, the oncoming shift with technology, the fourth industrial revolution. People are saying that AR, VR, and just where robotics and machine learning is going. A few of us already saw the need for people to really hone in on these creative thinking skills, but now with 2020 here, everyone has woken up to this the urgency. Agreed. One of the things that you said is that it's always been that way and people are waking up to it. And I completely agree with that piece. I think that creativity and innovation are so important no matter what you do for a living. And there's, I don't know, there's like a missing level of respect that needs to be put on creativity. I feel like I should throw out, put some respect, respect on, my on my I was getting ready to say it. <laughs> I, was, I was like, we cannot leave that sitting there. <laughs> the interesting thing is I think as a whole, it's true. And I think that this year has caused people to have to pay attention to things that they weren't before. And there's a number of those. And so awakening is a great way to frame it. And the hope is just that they stay awake and that there's just not any, you know, desire to go back to sleep, let alone the possibility of it. If anyone is will be going back to sleep, it'll be like going back to sleep in a train yard. I mean, you know, it, the noise is, is so loud. And one of the main things that, that really was the inhibitors before was, number one, the definition of creativity. When people first heard that word, they automatically thought the arts. Well, I'm not creative because I don't sing like Whitney Houston or I can't dance like just like Justin Timberlake. So they automatically put themselves out of that group. And another ish issue is that if people understand the true definition of creativity, which I'm trying to really push that out, I believe it's the process of problem finding and problem solving with relevance, value and novelty. So true high creative thinkers not only work on solving the problems that are coming to them, they're looking for the issues, you know, those discovered problems out there and the relevance, the value, they understand that what they're creating has value for themselves and for their market or whatever solution and novelty. When you understand the concept of novelty, you know, you know, the term, there's nothing new created under the sun, but there is recombination of ideas, you know, in the, the association and, and combining things that other people are missing. So when you really look at, and this is what my research is on, my, my trainings are on, and my, my books are on, when you really look at what creative thinking is, it's not the select few or just the few Steve Jobs and the Muse. It's really a cognitive skill that anyone can develop, just like we all learn how to multiply. You know, no one's saying, oh, just those folks can multiply. Oh, well, I can't. You, you know you have to put in, in the work to get that skill down. Creative thinking is, is the same way. So, so one of the things that I think um, is a key for you are your 16 diamond tools. And I think that that's one of the main things that I guess I would call it a cornerstone um, of what you do with Cafe Strategies. Do you want to share a little bit about what that is and how that really does focus on the creative aspect, which so many people want to think is a nice to have? Sure. Because I'm an ed- educator, and I'm an elementary educator. I like to have tools and just lay out to make it really easy for people to digest. You know, you know, if you're teaching a five-year-old, they can only stick with you for so long. So you got to keep them engaged. And I use the diamond tools. Because number one, I want the metaphor to understand that you are a diamond. You are meant to shine bright in whatever pur- purpose, you know, you're, you're here to, to do. And that you're carrying around these diamond tools of your gifts and talents. So my 16 diamond tools um, really break apart the components of what creative thinkers um, really, you know, just share and do and how they operate from. So the first one, you know, is 
belief and really believing that you're creative. You operate from your identity. So if you are walking around saying, I'm not creative, I'm not creative, then that's what's going to play out, you know, and your mind just just shuts down. And then I'm not going to go through all all of them. They can go through JenniLeckford.com to really download that and and just and it's free. Um, You can check check that out there. But um, another one is observation. Creativity is all about you connecting ideas and looking at connections. But if you're not bringing in the data, you know, as humans, our senses are already cut short. There's sounds we cannot hear that dogs can hear. There's things we cannot see, like, you know, ultraviolet waves. So our senses are already limited, but we limit our senses even more. You know, we just don't pay attention to what's going on around us. And so I think for this next season, this next decade, we're going to really have to hone in on sharpening our physical senses, our intuition senses, and our spiritual senses, because they're all gateways, pathways for us to get information so we can start recombining and creating the solutions that we need to go forward. So there's those, there's metaphorical thinking, there's, um, of course, the arts. Even though I say creativity isn't solely the arts, the arts are an important factor for you to develop your creative thinking in other areas of life, in business, in communication, in sales, in negotiation. And, and as we were talking about earlier, your ability to pivot, adapt, and ride the waves of change. Artists, dancers understand this. Musicians who understand improvisation know how to do this intuitively. So to have that training, and that's why I think it's, it's really a big injustice to take that training away from ch- children because you develop your belief system as a child. And so if you're growing up as a child, knowing how to operate in that type of scenarios, you know, of knowing how to adapt and pivot and keep on going, even though the temple, you know, switched up on, on you, you can transfer those same skills, those transferable skills, right? Those are the key ones to have now. You can transfer those skills into your adult life, into your business. So the 16 tools, they're really just breaking down these elements that true high creative thinkers have that we now all need to access and develop in. Mm-hmm. I think often it's thought of as something that we don't already have. And so like when you use the word develop, people will think, oh, it's something that I'm like you said, I'm not creative. And so somehow I have to figure it out. And we've talked before about how, um, you know, India and I began to pay attention to the fact of how there's these things that now you feel like you don't have access to, or you can't do, or you're unable to do. And you likely had those and were probably good at them as a child. But somehow you were told not to do it or you were told it wasn't okay or it wasn't important or it wasn't valuable. This is more valuable. This is more important. And so there are these chunks that have gotten shut down. And yet now as an adult, we're actually at a deficit because we need those to really round out what has to happen because our brain's trying to do it. But then like steps six through eight are just missing somehow. And it's like that doesn't work. Absolutely. I've noticed that um, mural artist Sam Malti once said to me that he believed everyone's an artist, but we get trained not to be an artist anymore as we grow up by our parents, by society, because there's a devaluing of taking time to draw, doodle, paint, and creatively express our thoughts. And I I feel like he couldn't be more correct in that. I wanted to know your take on that, Janine. Well, when you look at artistry and all of the arts, in my mind, they're a form of communication. Right. You know, color communicates um, an idea, uh, positioning communicates an idea, the empty canvas. How do you communicate whatever you're trying to get across through that positioning color depth, depth of field for music? You know, your tone, your pitch, there's so many elements within these and they're just forms of communicating thought. So when you strip children and which eventually they grow up to be adults from these um forms of communication, you're stripping them of just the benefits of having multiple ways to get out there and express whatever they're trying to express to the world. So an example, I say, would you go to, you know, let's say you're going to to France and you don't speak the language there. Would you want a guide who spoke only English like you do? Or would you want a guide who spoke, who speaks English, French, Italian, you know, I would want a guide who, a guide who speaks six languages because I can get access to more opportunities because we have more ways to connect with people from different demographics. And I know you guys are really big on inclusion in, in the DEI I, I space. 
And that's why, you know, seeing creativity thinking and seeing the DEI work, they're really interlaced because your ability to show up in your space and present that those creative ideas and to have an inclusive space, you know, you want to feel like you have the opportunity to share. And a lot of people, there's a lot of gems of ideas, multi-million dollars ideas that are sitting in people's hearts because they don't feel included in that workspace. They don't feel like they are, they're, you know, seen as valuable. They feel that their ideas may get stolen. They won't get credit or that they'll share their ideas and they'll go no, nowhere because, you know, just there's just so much, much there. But really, people who have a good foundation of communication, including artistic communication, um, just can really just share multiple things in multiple ways so you get to multiple odd audiences and you can bring up that inclusive level of you're including more pe- pe- people because you're honoring their ability to communicate you know if i don't think you're important because all you can do is speak musically i'm shutting off all the gems that you have to offer to me to my corporation to our part- partnership so we can do more if we include more ways <laughs> The interesting thing that I hear with that is we have some members in our community. I'm not going to call any names, but I see somebody here or maybe more than one that has their particular way through which they choose to communicate. And that's their way of creating change or wanting to um, use that as their method of, you know, that goal that's bigger than self. And we have that tendency to tell ourselves that it's not good enough or it's not enough or this idea has not fully blossomed. This idea isn't enough as a whole. And I think sometimes there's that reminder needed that they are diamonds and we have a certain connotation of value around that and attaching that to something that is seemingly innocuous, like an idea, that momentary spark is such an important thing so that things aren't being lost. Things aren't being created. Movements aren't being halted. I think it's huge. I think it's such a piece. And that being said, everyone that is in the chat, don't be quiet. <laughs> you are not, none of you are quiet in that way. So this is the space, like hop in, share your thoughts, share your, you know, your questions. And I, this is, you've already done it, Janine, but I think you give great reframes to things that we have just decided they're regular. They're not important. They're not valuable. And let, let me expand upon that point. Cause that, that's a huge, huge part. And that's why the first diamond tool in my writing is the belief system. Cause you got to start with the identity aspect. And because I coming from because I'm coming from K K twelve, and I also taught at the university level as well. But looking at the curriculum of K K twelve, I wanted to be I want you guys to be mindful, especially those of you who've gone through the the system. But you might have children in the system as well. Be mindful of the curriculum because, as a person of color and as a woman, a lot of times we see ourselves. You know, we have our Martin Luther King, our Rosa Parks, people who did great things for civil rights. Um, and so grateful for their work, of course. But if my child is only seeing examples of people who look like him fighting for civil rights, which is basic rights, we're not talking about the right to go to the moon. We're not talking about the right, you know, to own 10 banks. We're talking about the right to drink water at a water fountain without getting, you know, hit and go to vote. Basic rights. If my son is just seeing or my daughter is just seeing them themselves at that position and not seeing the great work of the, the men and women of, of, of color and, and women, and women as a group doing the invention, you know, the fact that the nation heard of Catherine Johnson after a film came out, you know, and my brother, I asked my, my brother who works for NASA, you know, did you know who Catherine Johnson was before this film hidden figures came out? He was like, no, I've never heard of her. I was like, you work for NASA. You've been in mathematics your entire collegiate career and you've never heard of this person who had such an impact on the company you work work for. And so I just want everyone to be mindful of the cognitive subconscious messaging of where that's coming from. That I'm not good enough because we did not see examples of people who look like us who were doing amazing things. They've done it. It's there. It's just not in the curriculum. So our young 
people are not getting that that messaging of hey they did it the the street light you know the microphone clip um components within the mic the microphone that was invented by an african american um just so many things were done that we have we have um given that our children are not seeing our young girls are not seeing all of the con- contributions so we're just seeing the struggle which once again i really give a, a big shout shout out to people who help with the struggle of basic rights but we need to show people who are off actually um also operating at the transcendent level as well not just at the survival level actually i want india to tell a little bit about this conversation we had yesterday about black struggle versus black joy in in imagery and media oh i mean i think that right now there's so much messaging around black struggle and i don't know i feel like the messaging and the image and video and film and music of black joy is black liberation. And I, I don't know. I just feel like when we're constantly seeing images and picture and video of a certain section of culture, a certain section of society that is constantly in pain and suffering. And while that is a part of our truth, you know, we're missing the whole human that we're still humans too. We have families, we have jobs that we enjoy, you know, we have hobbies, we have creative ideas, we contribute to music, to culture, to the arts, and you're not seeing those other pieces as much. Mm-hmm. So, as parents, it's our job to force make sure our children have that aspect, but I think we also need to do a bigger job, in my, and this is part of my purpose as well, of making sure it gets adequately in, in the curriculum, because we existed before the 1600s. The things that um, that our Latino population and, and, and our African-American population and other, and other populations of color have been able to create, right, going back to creative think, thinking, before slavery and even during slavery, be able to create while you're being o- o- oppressed, you know, um, it's just, yeah, the, the pyramids and, and, and the, 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 the systems that were there even before the 1600s, it blows your mind, but our kids aren't empowered with that. Um, so going back lastly to your point, people of the I'm not enough, once we get past that ceiling, like there is no limit. It's just unlimited possibilities. Because if you can work on your imagination, and that's a skill as well that our children have that we educate them out, out of, if you can work on really honing in your your ability to imagine, like imagine yourself doing that thing and put yourself on that stage or put yourself in, in that CEO position, running that multi-million dollar company, putting products that are helping people live better lives out there. You need to see yourself there there's nothing that can stop stop you if you can start it here first Mm -hmm. so when you say imagination it makes me think about the concept of can you imagine yourself doing something differently kind of breaking the mold can you imagine yourself being rich and or accumulating wealth can you imagine yourself starting a movement creating that level of change. And for so many of us, especially for women, we're told that these things are not only usually not possible, but they feel frivolous. It's like, no, 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 no. Like be realistic. And if you really think about that whole be realistic, that feels like such a limiting belief. It does. And it also, I, you know, I love the lion, the lion king. And I talk about the circle of life, right? The, that metaphor. But it's also, we need to be mindful that we're only here for a certain amount of time. <laughs> right? And, and we also need to look at, there's people who came before us that are linked to us, right? Our ancestors, um, parents, grand, grandparents, and there's people who are coming after us, whether you have children of your own or through your nieces and nephews or, men, or mentees. And for us to live with that limited framework is not giving honor to ourselves and to the people who worked hard to, to, to have us have the opportunities we have today. But also I am leaving behind, I am robbing from the people who are coming after me. So for me to say, you know what, I really want to write this, this book that I, I, I wrote about me getting out of bed and how creativity played a part in that. 
but you know what? I don't know if I can. I don't know if people will laugh at me. I don't and so the fact of me not writing this book because I think I'm not enough would have robbed all the people who have texted me and emailed me and told me how this book has changed their life. Like what what a, a insult and what a, an awful thing for me to do to rob someone from that experience just because I thought that I was not enough or I thought that I couldn't do it or I thought that people would laugh at me because I was very vulnerable and transparent you know, about having a, a UCLA degree and not knowing how to calculate credit card interest, you know? Um, but people needed to hear that story and people needed to say, you know what? Me too. I connect with, with that. So the first step is saying we are good enough. And if we're not necessarily good enough right now, we can learn to be good enough because it's about that growth mindset, right? And I can get people around me that I can, that encourage me, be very mindful about who's in your sphere. Influence is more important than you know. And since you, this topic is about culture, and I know you're focusing on the culture of business, but also the culture of your home, because that's the first culture you're coming up, up from. What is the culture that you were raised in? Was it a you're not enough or you keep missing the mark? Or was it a culture of encouragement? And hey, if you messed up, that's cool. Well, how can we learn from them and how can we try again? Yeah, one of the things that's coming to mind for me is kind of building that culture of innovation, that culture where mistakes are okay, as long as we're able to pull out the lessons learned from them within your team and within your business as well. Um, and I wanted your take on like, how do you start to kind of shape that culture if that's not what you had in the past? That's a big one, because once again, yeah. we, we, we um, stigmatize mistakes you know we, we don't we don't celebrate them as as we should hopefully i hope there's a shift with that so now the workforce and people with their own businesses they have to now unlearn right unlearn that and one of the tips that i give my clients is when you're building that culture of creativity which it has to be an area where people have the the freeness to experiment because that's what experimenting is, you know, it's experimenting versus a pi piloting. If the pilot doesn't work, oh, well, it's shut down and that's it. Experimenting, you learn from your successes, but you also learn from your failures. If you didn't, if it didn't work work out, you have a now a set of data to, to go, go from. Um, and there are certain things that businesses can put in place. I know one business, they have almost like a, a, a failure part of party. You know, where they celebrate the failure. Um, I heard of this one woman who grew up to be an amazing CEO, but her dad, when she was young, said, hey, instead of saying, how was school today? She said, he said, how did you fail today? Because if you can answer that question, that showed me you did something that you knew you all weren't, you weren't proficient at, but you still went for it. You know, and I love that, you know, and I'm going to do that with, with, with my own child. How did you fail today? What did you attempt um, that you just gave it to your, your all? And what did you learn from it? From it and so what businesses can really do is creating that culture where people feel safe now it's not just like throwing you know dough at the wall and you know it's just if you're really if you're really thinking things through and you have your your knowledge background and and you know you did the work but you you're still you know may not have worked out as you, you thought and then if it didn't you know a lot of the great inventions that you and i enjoy today are were invented because it didn't work out as they thought, <laughs> you know, they had to take a left turn. Um, but now we have, you know, um, whiteout be 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 because of that, you know, so it it's funny. Um, and then I would bring that into the conversation look at all the things that were invented by mistakes. Yeah. I think and about peanut butter, isn't peanut success. butter in a state? <laughs> That's a random one, but I think that was a mistake. I don't think that was supposed to happen. It was like, Oh, well, we have it now. <laughs> well, and I think before like modern society and social media and all that, like you saw the success and the success lived on forever. You didn't get to see all the mistakes that led into the success. <laughs> and yeah, people being... But it, it's not as accurate too. Yeah. People being more transparent with that. I think we owe that to the next generation coming after us and to, to our peers well, as well. And that's why with my books, I'm just, you know, I could be like, oh, look at me. I did everything perfectly. But I'm like, no, I did not know anything about debt, even though I had a full education. Um, I tried some creative things, didn't work. But here's what I, I learned. I walked into a room with the, you know, the CEO of LinkedIn, the senior vice president of Face Facebook, 
And the first comment I said, I stuttered my way through, you know, because I grew up with a speech impediment. So I, I deal with that struggle as well. And, you know, but I'm very open about that because I know that there's some 18 year old girl who needs to see that I went for it and I fell flat on my face when I got back up and sat back down and kept, kept, kept going. So, um, yeah, we do need, need to share more of our failures as well. Yeah, I feel like culturally there is becoming more of a shift to where when social media kind of first became a thing, um, we were somehow being exposed for our failures or misalignments. Um, it wasn't by choice that we were sharing that. And I'm starting to see people now be more transparent about it by choice. And I'm wondering from your perspective, if you feel that that will contribute to people's um courage to make more mistakes and to fail spectacularly well the last diamond tool in my my work is the courageous creativity and maya angelou said this she was like there are many many values and many um, wonderful traits you can have but i believe courage is the most important because without courage the other traits can't really survive and be sustained and i agree with with that because i work with a lot of people who have courage issues so their great ideas aren't getting to where they need to be so courage like creativity is a skill as well and all skills can be developed and one one thing that i did in my own life which i saw my mother being a great example and that's why i said really analyze your relationships and what your upbringing was because you you can see where some of those pitfalls came from but you know i saw my mother just go for it so for me, I apply to things that I probably won't get in into, but I have like the TEDx talk. That was an application. I said, you know what? I have this crazy idea of combining creativity with financial literacy, which no one has done, but I'm just going to just try. And when I got that e email back that you were accepted or that I was accepted, I was like, oh man, wait, what, what am I going to say? And so now I had to craft, you know, but to walk out on that red circle with the speech impediment background, and, you know, fear, I had to retrain and reframe it. And I said, I'm going out there because this message is important for people to hear and for the next generation to hear. So once you switch your perspective and focus on why you're doing it, as opposed to focusing it on you, that's one tip that I use. Another thing is um, my background in psychology. And so I understand the psychological tricks. Your body has the same reaction for fear that it does excitement. You know, um, the enlargement of the pupil, the palpitation of the heart, the, the um, sweaty hands, same physical reaction, different emotional titles. So if you just switch it and instead of saying, I'm scared to do that speech and say, I'm so excited to give this speech because I know these people will be empowered, you'll have a more of a successful outcome because you reframed it as excitement as opposed to, to being scared. And so, yeah, if you just learn how to train your, your brain to take on courageous activities on a regular basis, I tell my students, if your heart isn't beating fast at least once a year, try to do it once a quarter, then you're not training your courage muscle. So, I mean, I've jumped out of planes. I've jumped off of bridges. Not saying you have to be a daredevil. For some folks, it's just giving a speech to a room of 20 folks, you know. It could be uh, walking up to that person and introducing your, yourself to that CEO, you know, whatever it is, I say, put yourself in a situation where your heart is beating out of control. Karaoke is always a fun, fun, fun one. And then that's how you can train that courage muscle. I feel like Indy is a bit of an expert at that, in my opinion. <laughs> you can't see her face. <laughs> so I say oh. that because of the fact that you're not really a fan of public speaking. And when people hear that, it's like, but wait, she's done bodybuilding competitions. And I just went on autopilot when I did this. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that um, for me, part of that has been repetition, especially with the bodybuilding industry. You spend at least six months practicing the same routine and the same poses over and over and over and over again. So much that like physically my hips have gotten stuck in the poses. Um, 
So that way, when you go out there and you know that you have the stage fright like I do, you don't have to remember anything. Your body can go on autopilot <laughs> and a million things can run through your head um, and it's there. But I'll say for me on a day-to-day life, that has looked like, um, you know, as you said, Janine, building that habit of having courage, which is giving myself certain periods of time where I'll go on like a 30-day sprint of something every day that I'm going to do that scares me whether it's really big or really small, building up that courage muscle. And combining it, because you, what's the most weight that you've lifted? Um, So I did like uh, visual bodybuilding. Um, So it's more about like aesthetics, but at one point I was doing 600 pounds on the leg press, weighing like 115 pounds for myself. Um. <laughs> so using that phrasing of, you know, I can go over here and speak to these folks. I didn't lift it 600 pounds. You know, if I can do that, then I can do that. So once again, it goes back to the, the psychological found foundation of really tricking the brain to get on the side that you need to get it on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I um, find was really helpful for me in college was um, being an art major. We had daily homework assignments to get us to do something creative every day and build that creativity muscle. And I know that a lot of our listeners are business owners um, and many of them are female business owners. So asking them to pull out the camera or the paintbrushes might not make the most sense for them. But I'm wondering what for you is like your daily creativity thing that you're able to incorporate into your life? Well, creativity, don't forget, is the combination of ideas, right? Just Mm -hmm. making associations and seeing what no one else sees. So it can look different for different folks. And I do believe, just because the research is just very clear, that various and diverse experiences are key. So I would ch- challenge your community to pull out that that camera, <laughs> you know, to um, get a little xylophone and see if they can compose a song or whatever, or, or, you know, to gaze out into nature and look at the trees and to think metaphorically um, about, you know, the, the, the bark, you know, and just really put themselves in a state of awe, you know, that that's been, been shown to unleash that. So what I do, like I said before, is I intentionally, and creativity is a discipline. Once again, no, no one expects to be a wonderful piano player. And then you just walk past the piano, like, Oh, okay. Right. You you know, you have to discipline yourself and practice it. So I'm glad you brought that up. But what, what I do is once again, I put myself in situations that, make me uncomfortable not that i'm you know dangerously being you know dumb but it, I, I make sure i'm in an area of uncomfortability but i can still have some level of success i may have to go back and practice again and then come back um if people are here's a fun idea that that i love you know you've heard of a ta- talent show but you can have an untalent show where you can you know challenge your friends, <laughs> challenge your community this actually has to be a fun thing for the community so, you know, give them two weeks to learn a skill and then they have to share it. So it's like you got two weeks to pick up the violin and then play Mary Had a Little Lamb. But, you know, that that does so much because it reminds us that we, we're adults, but we can still grow. We think that some of this stuff is just just for, for kids. Of course, their brains are more, you know, malleable at that zero to five age, but we're, we're, we can still grow. Um, it also teaches them to present and they're not advanced. A lot of times we don't want to bring out our best, um, bring out or present until we're at our top notch. And sometimes you just need to present and you're not there yet, but it shows growth and it's fun. You get to giggle with one another and then go back and, you know, just do whatever it is you do. But I, I love that idea. I write a lot. Journaling is key. Every CEO, every top creative thinker I have studied has kept some type of reflective um, work, a journal, um, you know, just um, whether it's written, whether it's, it's, it's pictorial. And what reflection does is it brings you out of the situation and you get to look at it from an outside perspective. It's almost like you're watching your wedding video. You're like, wait, that person was there? I didn't even see them. Wait, that ha- happened? Like you see like your wedding from a whole other perspective because you, in the wedding, you're just focused on, you know, things going right or whatever, but you, you're missing so much um, 
that you weren't focused on during the wedding. So watching the video, journaling is like watching that wedding video all again, and you get to really reflect on how you grew from that experience. Mm -hmm. I love that. Someone said um, that they're struggling with implementing the ideas. They have all the creative ideas and associations, but they get stuck putting them in action. What would you say to that? I'm the same way. Uh, highly creative people, you just have a, it's almost like a stream, right? Just a stream of ideas and then once you write them down. I would always say capture them, capture them, even the ones that may not even manifest, just getting it down some, somewhere. And then I would say pri prioritize. So for me, I have like 10 books in my spirit that have to come out. And then I'm, then I'm building my business and I'm creating curriculum. And then someone else called me to create curriculum on their, their platform. So, you know, just tons of stuff to do. But it's really like, okay, well, what's the most important right now? And looking at what your priorities, if your priorities is income, you need, to, you need to put food on the table, you know, or but if that's taken care of and you have a little bit more leeway to do a fun pet pro project, um, time blocking is, is key blocking out time to do your top priority thing will, will help and also blocking out time to think we um there's a great book out out there i'm assuming your uh community is is their readers as well and it's called hustle and float and i don't have the off, off of mine. <laughs> but it's called I love the name i'm like yeah. interesting and <laughs> It's a wonderful book. I high, highly rec recommend it. But she uses the metaphor. And me metaphorical thinking is a huge um, key to creative think thinking, by the way. But she uses the metaphor of white water raft rafting. And I don't know if you've ever been white water rafting, but it's if it's just like all crazy rivers the whole time, you're exhausted. But if it's all just just slowly going for the whole time, you're you're bored. But great a great white water rafting trip is that turbulence and then it's calm and there's turbulence and then it's calm you know and to me that's almost like a, that's a great life it's like it's calm and then and then things have happened and then you know um and so she says that we we need time to rest and we need time to think but because of the industrial complex mindset we're in we're all work 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 we celebrate the person who has four hours of sleep and working 90 hours a week and if you look at how the brain works and how your creative thinking works, you need downtime. You need time to let your subconscious move things around and make those connections. And if you're working all the time, you don't have time to let the ideas simmer, if that makes makes sense. So um, to, to answer the person's questions, just, yeah, prioritizing and really looking at you know Im impact for the community but also impact for yourself you know what are the ideas that you're having that would have a great impact um on your life's work yeah i love that we've One talked things... a lot lately about that productivity part i wanted india to talk about that because i'm like that whole like push push hustle do more produce more create more and the fact that it's actually not helpful like I'm curious to get a little bit more context from you and what you think on that. Cause I can talk about it a lot, but it's not just about me. So you, you just read my mind. Cause that's exactly what I was going to ask is how that relates to like tapping into your creative mind. <laughs> you need to uh, understand where we've come from and the whole uh, factory work mentality. And that's where the school system is based off of as well. If you can make, you know, 40 widgets in an hour, that's awesome. I, I can compare my productivity to, to yours, right? Because I can make, you know, 35 widgets in, in an hour. But when we're no longer in the, the factory work lifestyle now, now I'm asking you to create, I'm asking you to write, I'm asking you to develop some something and to really innovate. But now I'm still judging you off of the 40 widgets an hour. So does that make, make sense? So I'm judging you off off of the factory work type of um, out, output, but you're doing creative work type of work. So um, because of that, we, we have to take our, our society as a whole has to take a step back and say, what does this look like um, to give an out, output that's not judged by the old way of thinking? So for me, producing blogs, producing my content, I, I was telling my husband, you know, 
sometimes I can sit at my computer for like three hours and only get like two paragraphs out because the mental work it takes to really streamline how someone would go through my my classes to make sure the objectives are there to make sure the supplemental you know ideas are are there that that's a lot of work but if i'm standing at a factory line putting you know tabs on watches that doesn't take a lot of my mental capacity so there's where the disconnect is as far as productivity now and what it looked like 40 years ago one of the things that comes to mind for me is and you would probably be able to like wrap this up in a better bow than I can, but just tapping into that creative space um, when we're in hustle, when we're in brain fog, um, we're not really able to access that place in our brain that like turns that creative response on as well. Um, and I'm wondering like how you help support people with that or what's your perspective on people are struggling to really get creative out of the stress that has been life over the last few months. <laughs> Because it's back to the basics, you know, and when you really look at what creative thinking in entails, a lot of companies say innovate, innovate, we want innovation, but creativity drives innovation, curiosity drives creativity, and observation is the foundation, observation and questioning. So one thing that I take my clients through and through my courses is really making sure their awareness is strong. You know, and, and just opening them up to observing just a, around and questioning their observations. And that can kind of help the brain fog. Because if there is a brain brain fog, that means the brain is doing too much and it kind of needs to, to shut down and sweep out some cob, cobwebs, right? But that that's one, one thing. So just going back to the basics of just being. Nature is huge. Um you know, no matter what your your faith or or whatever that is, you know, you just just connecting to nature is the easiest, most cheapest way. And another thing is, I utilize the skill of metaphorical thinking because that is one. A metaphor is just connecting the function of one thing to another. And so I use this with one of my clients. His biz business was to um, look at where people are losing money within their cash flow um, system. And he has a hard time communicating that to potential clients. So I'm just like, you know, it's almost like you're a plumber, you know, and the plumber can see things, you know, within the pipes that the, the people who are living there can't see. And the plumber can really see where there's water leakages and, and really tally that up. It's almost like you're a plumber for the, pe the people. You're helping people catch these leaks within their business. And so me attaching his business, you know, which has nothing to do with, with, with pipes, um, to the world of plumbing opened up his, his eyes. So people who are very strong in metaphorical thinking not only are great writers and storytellers, tell, but they can unleash and and remove um, things that are blocking these connections. Mm, I love it. That's a really great example too. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I think often people take things like, um, you know, euphemisms or just that comparison type of thing. And they're like, oh, it's just silly. It doesn't matter. And then it really does give you a different way of phrasing or framing something to really get in that message that is meant for you to pick up. And it takes me back to what you said before about like, you know, if you're looking in nature and you're like, okay, well, here's the bark and how this surrounds the tree or maybe what the roots or the leaves do. And so I do think getting to that place of, you know, how can I take something that is just a very benign part of what I see or experience and likely don't even pay attention to anymore and really see the systems yeah, it, it's it's so par paramount, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that, especially this next decade, as we shift from, um, as we shift from not you know just memorization and rote knowledge base, and going into how can we reconnect and connect this knowledge, understanding the functions of things. So, for example, the bark, like my child is two. And he not only can identify the parts of a tree, but I ask him, I ask my two-year-old, what's the function of a bark? And he says it protects the tree. And then the next step is saying, oh, 
so like with if mommy and daddy were the bark, you know, like who 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 would be the bark? Oh, you know, mommy and daddy could both be the bark, but you know, daddy is kind of like the bark because he protects our fam family. So training him early in that type of thinking of you know will get him ready to say as he runs his his company because he will be <laughs> running a company um you know like okay well how does this thing affect my bottom line how how is my cash flow like the flow of you know the river or something you know because it will open up um his ability to ask more questions and see things from multiple per perspectives um, you mentioned seeing things from multiple perspectives as well as earlier. I heard you mention systems. And one of the things that we talk about here is like reconsidering your normal, um, as well as how racism and stereotypes, they're built into and baked into our systems. And I'm just wondering your perspective on how creativity comes into play in beginning to kind of dismantle some of the very broken and very biased systems that we have in place. Well, part of my training involves unconscious bias because they're, they're linked because your ability to create and to think creatively is highly dependent on your ability to have multiple perspectives. And so someone who is unwilling to get into the shoes of another person, to connect with another person, to really transcend bound boundaries and go outside their comfort zone is not only, you know, not only is, I, I tell people, not only is racism wrong, but you're actually shooting your own self in, in, in the foot. Um, you're shooting your own business in the foot. And now, especially this year after 2020, we if we weren't a global, you know, um, system now, we definitely are now because... Yeah. 2020 has shown that you don't have to be 15 miles from your headquarters to work for, for them. And anyone can work for anyone because now everyone is on Zoom, you know? So, um, so the intercultural competency of a per person, which that's your ability. And I, I, I would advise your folks to go look up IDI train, uh, training. My company um, is, is trained in, in that of allowing people to see their intercultural competency and see where are they in really interacting well with people from other cult cultures and how do they, you know, um, how do they get, just mix well and learn well and support well and acknowledge well um, people from various backgrounds. Because if you're cutting yourself off, even consciously or unconsciously, you're cutting yourself off from the opportunity of connecting, reconnecting, combining, and gaining her perspective and creativity is all about perspective and getting out of your norm routines are important because the brain needs them not in order not to explode but when they become too dependent you know like if you had to relearn how to brush your your teeth every morning like that would be kind of much so you're that's a, a routine for us but bringing it into our work area that that you know that that could be too much all the time there's routines for some things but you have to allow that that, you know, fun, funness and that newness to come back back in. Thank you. Thank you. Um, last call for questions for our community members. Uh, Erica, I wanted to know your thoughts as well on just kind of the different perspectives of what we've talked about here. And if there's one thing that you would have people go do after hearing this episode. If my, in, if my internet will cooperate. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I think it really is giving yourself stillness to look at things you see all the time differently. I think in order to do things differently, there has to be an ability to look at the same old things, the same regular day in and day out things because well that's that's the life we're in at this moment anyway so how can things look different how can you do them differently you know how can you take that idea of like oh you have to pivot and things like that like how can it just be okay i'm going to cook this how can i do this differently one thing like just really breaking it down to one you know one thing that you can just notice is different in something that always seems the same. 
Yes, that's very important. I call that the mundane messages. So looking at something like your your tape dispenser, you know, and <laughs> and say, okay, well, what's another use for for this? You know, if you do it on this lower level, your brain will automatically learn how to do it on the more advanced levels or the professional levels. Once again, if you don't practice it, it won't show up automatically when you need it to, to show up uh, when you walk into that boardroom or what have you. Makes complete sense. Janine, if you had one thing that you would want our listeners to go do to take to action on today, what would that be? That if you look around you, everything you see came from someone's spirit, came some, from someone's creative spirit. And we need you to understand that you are a diamond and the diamond of your creative gifts are within you. And I'm so excited to see you bring them out and to shine. And the first step is to believe that you can. And the last step is to, to have that courage to actually commit and contribute when the time is right. So excited for you. Please feel free to, to reach, reach out um, for my website. And I am here to support your journey. Awesome. Could you tell us really quickly a little bit more about how you work with clients? And then we'll be putting your website, um, both of your websites in our show notes for those of you that want to go check her out and listen to her podcast as well. <laughs> it's a fun podcast called Create and Grow Rich Podcast. And I don't mean just rich financially, but just rich in life, relationships and and so off. Um, my my personal website is JanineLetford.com, just my name. My business one is Cafe Strategies with two F C A F F estrategies.com and we are a creative development training corporation LLC that gets back back to the basics and companies empower as well with getting those cognitive structures in back in in place because you had them when you were three and we're just <laughs> getting you back there and basically reintroducing you to who you were and introducing you to who you can possibly be. That's what we do with our training programs, all research-based and um, vetted and everything. So I'm just excited to get the world, because now this is a world, a world training pr program um, back to where we need to be. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. And thank you for everyone in the community listening and for those dealing with my tech issues on my end. <laughs> <laughs> thank fun. you so much. Go create. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. For those of you that want to keep in touch, check out the show notes. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, we highly encourage you to share it. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash pause and you're able to leave us a rating and review as well. And make sure you check out Janine's podcast. She dives into some really interesting topics about creativity and financial health. <laughs> I love having conversations. However, sometimes technology is like, screw your conversations. I'm not doing this with you right now. <laughs> that was kind of what happened for me here. Um, I was definitely having some internet issues. However, the conversation we had was still very rich in uh, things for you to consider, different ways of, you know, kind of looking at and perceiving things. And it's it's such a necessary thing to be able to listen to somebody that maybe doesn't think just like you do. And in the community, that's one of the things that for us really is important because if we're all talking about the same things in the same exact way, because we think the exact same way about things, that's not going to help you grow. That's an echo chamber. That's a silo. That's not helpful. And so it's so important, especially at a time when the world really needs you to be able to consider things differently and to foster your empathy for the way that someone else walks through life. It's just, it's a necessity. And so being able to really go there is such a necessary thing. And we love being able to, to do that. And we love knowing that we have community members that want to not only be a part of that, but they want to be in that conversation with you. They will challenge you. They want to be challenged. They want to do something bigger than self. And if this is something that you think you want to be a part of and you're ready to step up and answer that challenge, then go on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. Put in your application today. 
so that you can be in the room the next time we record and you can bring your questions and comments and context to the table. As always, I love being here, providing the bridge for you to walk over. India and I love being in these conversations together, me alone, as well as when we bring our guests in. So thank you for listening. And until next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?